0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Hagios Dos. My name is Bill Dijkstra. Today is July 24th and we commemorate the Passion Bearers, Saints Boris and Gleb. As I sat down to record tonight, a massive thunderstorm just rolled in. It's just starting to come up. The winds are getting really crazy. The rain is starting to come down. There was a gaggle of motorcycles outside my window, but I didn't record them for... For obvious reasons, but I hope that they're going to be dry eventually. Anyways, I'm still going to record tonight. There's still going to be tons of noise in the background. There's still going to be thunder and lightning and all the rain, the wind, but you know what? Today's saints are worth it. It is humid. It is so humid. I am sweating rivers again, but you know what? I'm really excited still to talk about today's saints. They are saints Boris and Gleb. Sviatopolk. Vladimir's son, settled in Kiev after his father's death, and after calling together all the inhabitants of Kiev, he began to distribute largest among them. They accepted it, but their hearts were not with them, because their brethren were with Boris. When Boris returned with the army, after meeting the Pechenegs, he received the news that his father was dead. He mourned deeply for him, for he was beloved of his father before all the rest. When he came to Alta, he halted. His father's retainers then urged him to take his place in Kiev on his father's throne, since he had his disposal, the latter's retainers and troops. But Boris protested, But it not for me to raise my hand against my elder brother. Now that my father has passed away, let him take the place of my father in my heart. When the soldiery heard these words, they departed from him, and Boris remained with his servants. But Sviatopolk was filled with lawlessness. Adopting the device of Cain, he sent messengers to Boris that he desired to live at peace with him and would increase the territory he had received from his father. But he plotted against him how he might kill him. So Sviatopolk came by night to Veshigorod after secretly summoning to his presence the Pushta and the boyars of the town, he inquired of them whether they were wholeheartedly devoted to him. Pushta and the men of vishigorod I hope I'm saying that right, replied, We are ready to lay down our lives for you. He then commanded them to say nothing to any man but to go and kill his brother Boris. They straightway promised to execute his order. Of such men, Solomon has well said, they make haste to shed blood unjustly, for they promise blood and gather evil, for their path runneth the evil, and they possess their souls in dishonor. These emissaries came to Elta, and when they approached, they heard the sainted boar singing vespers, for it was already known to him that they intended to take his life. Then he rose and began to chant, saying. O Lord, how are they increased who come up against me? Many are they that rise up against me. And also, Thy arrows have pierced me, for I am ready for wounds, and my pain is before me continually. And he also uttered this prayer, Lord, hear my prayer, and enter not into judgment with thy servant, for no living man shall be just before thee, for the enemy hath crushed my soul. And ending the six Psalms, when he saw how men were sent out to kill him, he began to chant the Psalter, saying, Strong bulls encompassed me, and the assemblage of the evil beset me. O Lord my God, I have hoped in thee. Save me and deliver me from my pursuers. He then began to sing the canon. After finishing Vespers, He prayed, gazing upon the icon, the image of the Lord, with these words, Lord Jesus Christ, who in this image has appeared on earth for our salvation, and who having voluntarily suffered thy hands to be nailed to the cross, endure thy punishment for our sins. So help me now to endure my passion, for I accept it not from those who are my enemies, but from the hands of my own brother, Hold it not against him as sin, O Lord. After offering this prayer, he lay down upon his couch. They fell upon him, like wild beasts, about the tent and overcame him by piercing him with lances. They also overpowered his servant, who cast himself upon his body, for he was beloved of Boris. He was a servant of Hungarian race, George by name, to whom Boris was greatly attached. The prince had given him a large gold necklace, which he wore while serving him. They also killed many other servants of Boris, but since they did not quickly take the necklace from George's neck, they cut off his head and thus obtained it. For this reason, his body was not recognized later among the corpses. The desperados, after attacking Boris, wrapped him in a canvas, loaded him upon a wagon, and dragged him off, though he was still alive. When the impious Vyatapolk saw that he was still breathing, he sent two Varangians to finish him. When they came and saw that he was still alive, one of them drew his sword and plunged it into his heart. Thus died the blessed Boris, receiving from the hand of Christ our God the crown among the righteous." He shall be numbered with the prophets and the apostles, as he joins with their choirs of martyrs, rests in the lap of Abraham, beholds joy ineffable, chants with the angels, and rejoices in the company with the choirs of the saints. After his body had been carried in secret to the Shigerod, it was buried in the church of St. Basil. The impious Viadopolk then reflected Behold, I have killed Boris. Now, how can I kill Gleb? Adopting once more Cain's device, he craftily sent messages to Gleb to the effect that he should come quickly, because his father was very very ill and desired his presence. Gleb quickly mounted his horse and sent out with a small company, for he was obedient to his father. When he came to Volga, his horse stumbled in a ditch on the plain and broke its leg. He arrived at Smolensk, and setting out thence at dawn, he embarked in a boat on the Smyadon. At this time, Yaroslav received from Predslava the tidings of their father's death, and he sent word to Gleb that he should not set out, because his father was dead and his brother had been murdered by Sviatopolk. Upon receiving these tidings, Gleb burst into tears and mourned for his father, but still more deeply for his brother. He wept and prayed with a lament. Woe is me, O Lord! It were better for me to die with my brother than to live on this world. O my brother, had I but seen thy angelic countenance, I should have died with thee. Why am I now left alone? Where are thy words that thou didst say to me, my brother? No longer do I hear thy sweet counsel. If thou hast received affliction from God, pray for me, that I may endure the same passion, for it were better for me to dwell with thee than in the deceitful in this deceitful world. While he was thus praying amid his tears, there suddenly arrived those sent by Sviathopolk for Gleb's destruction. These emissaries seized Gleb's boat and drew their weapons. The servants of Gleb were terrified, and the impious messenger Garazur gave orders that they should slay Gleb with dispatch. Then Gleb's cook, Torchin by name, seized a knife and stabbed Gleb. He was offered up as a sacrifice to God like an innocent lamb, a glorious offering amid the perfume of incense, and he received the crown of glory. Entering the heavenly mansions, he beheld his long-desired brother and rejoiced with him in the joy ineffable which they had attained through their brotherly love. How good and fair it is for brethren to live together! But the impious ones returned again, even as David said, Let the sinners return to hell. When they returned to Sviatopolk, they reported that his command had been executed. On hearing these tidings, he was puffed up with pride, since he knew not the words of David. Why art thou proud of thy evil doing, O mighty one? Thy tongue hath considered lawlessness all the day long. After Gleb had been slayed, his body was thrown upon the shore between two tree trunks. But afterwards they took him and carried him away to bury him beside his brother Boris in the church of St. Basil. United thus in body and still more in soul, ye dwell with the Lord and King of all, in eternal joy, ineffable light, bestowing salutary gifts upon the land of Rus. Ye give healing to other strangers who draw near with faith, making the lame to walk, giving sight to the blind, to the sick health, to captives freedom, to prisoners liberty, to the sorrowful consolation, and to the oppressed, relief. Ye are the protectors of the land of Russia, shining forever like beacons, and praying to the Lord on behalf of your countrymen. Therefore must we worthily magnify these martyrs in Christ, praying fervently to them, and saying, Rejoice, martyrs in Christ, from the land of Russia, who gave healing to them who drew near to you in faith and love. Rejoice, dwellers in heaven." In the body ye were angels, servants in the same thought, comrades in the same image, of one heart with the saints. To all that suffer ye give relief. Rejoice, Boris and Gleb, wise in God. Like streams ye spring from the founts of life-giving water, which flow for the redemption of the righteous. Rejoice, ye who have trampled the serpent of evil beneath your feet. You have appeared amid bright rays, enlightening like beacons the whole land of Russia. Appearing in faith immutable, ye have ever driven away the darkness. Rejoice, ye who have won an unslumberable eye, ye blessed ones who have received in your hearts the zeal to fulfill God's only commandments. Rejoice, brethren united in the realms of golden light, in the heavenly abodes in your glory, unfading, which ye through your merits have obtained. Rejoice, ye who are brightly radiant with the luminescence of God and travel throughout the world expelling devils and healing diseases. Like beacons, supernal, and zealous guardians, ye dwell with God, illumined forever with the light divine, and in your courageous martyrdom ye enlighten the souls of the faithful. The light bringing heavenly love has exalted you, wherefore ye have inherited all fair things in the heavenly life, glory, celestial sustenance, the light of wisdom, and beauteous joys. Rejoice ye who refresh our hearts, driving out pain and sickness and curing evil passions. Ye glorious ones, with the sacred drops of your blood, ye have dried a robe of purple, which ye wear in beauty, and reign forevermore with Christ, interceding with him and, and for his new Christian nation, and for your fellows, and your land is hallowed by your blood." By virtue of your relics deposited in the church, ye illuminate with the Holy Spirit, for there in heavenly bliss, as martyrs among the army of martyrs, ye intercede for the ruse. Rejoice, bright day springs, our Christ-loving martyrs and intercessors. Subject the pagans to our princes, beseeching our Lord that they might live in concord and in health, freed from intestine war and crafts of the devil. Help us, therefore, who sing and recite your sacred praise forever unto our life's end. That was quite the long acclamation at the end. But you know what? I think hearing the adjective intestine war, I kind of like that, intestine war. It's probably like, I don't know this for sure. I'm just making this up on the spot. But like if something is very intestine, it's kind of like maybe an elevated way of saying like a derogatory word for like fecal matter. You know, like that show, like that, that, or that, that sports, sporting event was so intestine, the players were not playing right. Anyways, I'll move on from this. This is silly. Now, to be honest, I think the story of Boris and Gleb is quite difficult for me. Their decision to die rather than defend themselves is really challenging. And here's why. No one would consider defending yourself, especially in the face of death, to be all that sinful. If these men armed themselves in the face of a threat, no one would think otherwise. However, giving into that decision would not sanctify. I think most of the time we see our decisions as being between a good and an evil. Do I steal the water gun or do I purchase it with my own money? That was just an example from my childhood. Um... Had these brothers justifiably defend them themselves, though, we wouldn't be talking about them in the current context, not in the context of their sanctity. Boris and Gleb are victims of true meekness. In my life, I had thought that meekness is a quality synonymous with that of sensitivity, a flower-child-type t- gentleness, peace, and you know, good vibes only. However, when we survey the sources of Christian spirituality, it isn't. Meekness is, rather, an internal stability that completely disregards all mitigating circumstances. Meekness is like the dam that holds back the floodwaters. This is why when we're angry, meekness is the corresponding virtue. When we are sinfully angry, we are in a desperate vie for a sense of control of a situation of perceived danger. However, the irony is that when we become angry, we lose all control. And sometimes, I'll go out on a limb and say it's most of the time that perceived danger is to our ego, or some established narrative we live by. An incorrect one, perhaps. In the case of Boris and Gleb, It was a threat to their own lives. They are not martyrs in the strict sense. They didn't die for believing, for being Christians. But they died witnessing to the internal hope that is Christ. Because the reality of Christian salvation hadn't changed, neither did their inner disposition. I have taken the liberty in adding my own commentary here, because this is where I struggle the most. And I will condemn myself first for not being meek at all. Anyways, thank you very much for listening. This has been your Daily Dose of Agios. Saints Boris and Gleb, pray for us.